0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Matt Heath here, joined as always by my trusty friend and cohort, Pastor Glenn Davis. Hey, hey. And this is Two Guys Who Happen to be Pastors, a show where we come together who, you know, we are two guys who just happen to be pastors. We talk about all the aspects that are affecting ministry today and how we're just really not handling it all that well anymore.
1: Hey, you speak for yourself, Mike Ring.
0: Hey, I'm new in ministry. All right, I'm starting to get into the panic phase now, you know.
1: You know, I got I got I got a bone to pick with you now, you know you, you I, got a, I heard you
0: You had a bone to pick with me last week, dude. Well,
1: you you know, you talk and this this is going to sound complimentary, it's not meant to be. Oh, well then. But uh, you know, you you sir sound, you know, you you talk a big game like like you're depressed and you're aging quickly and you're you're terrified of the future. Yeah, and I heard your phone etiquette earlier. And you're the nicest guy on the planet. Well, so you yeah. know what? I don't want to hear well, it. Well, now hang yeah. on here. Phone etiquette. I can't talk to somebody who still has hope. <laughs>
0: <down here>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's different when you're on the phone. You got to be cordial
1: and my hope is transferred from the future to Jesus. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I've got. That's all I've mm. got. I'm keeping it going.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. It, just because I have nice phone etiquette does not mean that I do not have things to complain about. Just the same as you do, my friend. I've heard seen you talk with people with strangers and you're very cordial, very nice. But, once we leave out of there, you're like, oh. Let me tell you.
1: It's more of a defense mechanism than anything. It's like my Velociraptor thing. <laughs> Where I throw, throw up the hood and spit on them. <laughs> so.
0: Diloph- Dilophosaurus. Right? Right. Oh, it, oh,
1: for, that's uh, what I'm talking about. <laughs> for someone who's got no hope, you sure know your dinosaurs.
0: Okay, I was a fan of Jurassic Park as a kid, so sue me. I will. I mean...
1: For heaven's sakes.
0: I, I'll tell you, but... I forget my point. Oh, speaking of dinosaurs, do you remember that thing I sent you? It's been months ago. The Velocipaster. Yes. Yes. I have finally buckled down and watched clips of it.
1: Velocipastor.
0: Velocipaster. It? it is literally horrifying. The the quality of so it was made before the inflatable T Rex costumes came out. For those of you who don't know, it is literally a show about a Catholic priest who loses faith, goes to I think it's Japan, if I remember right.
1: Well, I think you had said China before, but we'd have to but, go back check it Yeah,
0: and it's somewhere in Asia. And he literally gets bitten, or something happens. And under the right circumstances, he becomes a velociraptor. It sounds as cheesy as it is. Did um,
1: that John Claude Van Damon?
0: I don't think it did. Oh, no, no it I don't think. I, I don't. I
1: know, I know, man. That agent needs to be fired.
0: He was too busy being on Friends when this thing was made, I think. But uh, it is quite possibly the goofiest show that I've ever seen. And the only way that I actually caught it, caught the clips, was on TikTok, believe it or not. I was scrolling through and said, because there's a couple guys I follow on that are pastors, and you know it's, it's fun to see, and the guy piped up, he was laughing, he said, you've got to see this. And they literally show... There's like, I don't know, seven or eight clips of the show. And it is literally the worst acting that you've seen. Like, the blood is like, you know, ketchup packets bursting and all this stuff. Holding it over him and all this. It, it, it's horrible. But, that is not why we're here for this. Although, I do believe we could probably remake Velocipasture.
1: pasture make it better. We probably Tell could. Truth.
0: I mean, you know... We could, uh, we. I mean, we could ask Will Smith to be in it. I mean, he's he's probably looking for work nowadays. I don't know. And I mean, he
1: had some series or something canceled on I mean, Netflix or Hulu or something. I
0: think it was he was going to have a movie on Netflix, um, and then they it was like in pre production and they canceled it. I guess like this week, and he even he resigned from the Academy and all and all this stuff. I mean, it's it's insane. The guy I remember as a kid. You know, this dude fought aliens. He, you know, literally in two movies Independence Day and Men in Black. Yeah, but
1: if you're going to smack a much smaller man on the glamorous and glitziest of all award shows in front of uh, 47 people and then 350 billion after the fact, because nobody was watching that show. No, no. (laughs) Somebody told me the next morning Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. And I said, Oscars were on last night. It's March. Yeah. Usually the Oscars are on in February. I just assumed they weren't having them. I. The the now you may have not seen it. The movie Don't Look Up. I have seen it. Was nominated for Best Picture. Are you serious? I kid you not? Are you? F- I saw that and I said, Oh my God! What has happened to the Academy of <laughs> Pictures? Because I watched it. Funny.
0: It is funny, but well it, made. But it does had not
1: Leonardo DiCaprio Yeah. It. I guess it had the perfect mixture, but, but I wouldn't have thought. I that is because the Academy's all about you know political political stances and you know well I guess it even had that. So if you're not familiar with it, folks, check this movie. Do check the movie out. It is a good it's movie. It's one of the few yeah. movies that has ever been nominated for Best Picture other than Up. Yeah. That I would really recommend. And the film premise is that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is a scientist, and I'm trying to remember the young lady's name. Gorgeous woman. Uh,
0: it she played She's on Hunger Games. Oscar. Yeah. Uh, the, the
1: star from Hunger Games. I'm gonna.
0: I, we're gonna have to Google. I'm gonna it. work on looking her yeah. up.
1: Here, but uh, the premise of the film is they discover a, I believe it's a comet. Yeah. And as they've. Do the mathematical equation, Jennifer Lawrence the, got, I would have Law. never thought yeah. of yeah uh, As they do the mathematical equations of this thing in orbit, they soon discover that within just a short time, it's actually going to hit the Earth. And it's big enough they believe it will cause an extinction-level event. Well, they start off with uh, the president doesn't care, because the president's a woman who's a Twitter star, mm-hmm. and she's trying to get her on-again, off-again boyfriend, a sheriff in Texas on the Supreme Court <laughs> has no business, and they don't care. No, they don't even no. See it yeah. And eventually, as it goes on, just more and more crazy, like, they send up this crazy astronaut who's racist as could be to try to stop the comet, and they abort that. Anyway, check. go out of your way to check out Don't Look Up. I, I, it is gut-screamingly funny and truly an honest look. At, At ourselves, it, it really is because that is exactly how we would respond. Yeah, exactly. To something like that. Yeah,
0: it it really is. I and don't want to give away any more. I, than no, that, no, no. That no. should be enough to it, get you looking. It, it's
1: kind of and the president. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is Meryl, Meryl Streep.
0: Yep, Meryl Meryl Streep is in this, and I mean, it it I I kind of got vibes of like remember Armageddon, the mm-hmm. classic Michael Bay film that does not get nearly enough uh, respect that it deserves, Have the great Bruce Willis, which you heard... Did you hear about Bruce Willis? Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean,
1: he's probably, he said step away, but he's probably going to have to retire from yeah, acting. From acting. He's, he's very ill, unfortunately. Has I has mean, a disease that leads to dementia, Alzheimer's yeah. and dementia. And...
0: It's one of those... I mean, you and I grew up watching those movies. I mean, Die Hard's probably the one movie... It is still talked about, Hans, you know, him fighting Hans Gruber, the classic debate about whether it's a Christmas movie or not. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, the guy, I mean, I that just, I, that kind of upset me. And it, and it kind of leads into our, our topic tonight, which is nostalgia, continuing on with the nostalgia. Ooh, um, you got that around,
1: brother. I take you back everything bad I said about
0: it. You know what? I'm, I'm uh, off the cuff, you know. First off, we would like to say thank you to all, all everybody who's listening to us on uh, Apple Podcast, on Spotify, on Shout Anchor. Shout out
1: to Brooklyn, New York. Yes, baby.
0: I looked. I So on our host website, Anchor, uh, I looked and it'll give us breakdowns about who's listening. And I wrote them down here. These are our hot spots, Glenn. In the great state of New York, Brooklyn. Shout out. And then Honeyoy Falls, New York. I don't know.
1: H o n y o e. I would guess that's Honeyoy, but uh, but if you're listening to us in New York, shout out.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Illinois, great the great
1: Chicago. You know, not too far from here. Not really. About Three hours to yeah. India. burger last month. So. That's right. Yeah. Uh, scariest moments. Some of the scariest moments of my life. If you live in Chicago, props. Yeah, you. You're braver than I am. You,
0: yeah, absolutely. We live in an area where there's literally like three guns to a household, and I still every time I go to Chicago, I, it's
1: just there's a lot of buildings, big buildings. Yeah, you can't see. You feel? I a little, know, like Michigan's like right there. You, you feel know, pointing to the lamp on the end table. Yeah. But you can't see it. No, it's it, it, it's, so. it, it
0: makes you feel uneasy, claustrophobic.
1: And I might have mentioned this, went on tilt on the John Hancock Tower. That's right, yeah. And I'm looking you did. forward to the Sears Tower here eventually getting up in, into that bad boy. So I imagine when Lindy comes back again or maybe Kessid comes, we'll probably have to make a trip up to the. the well, it's not Sears Tower, but I don't know what. It, it's. I don't know what. It's it, big old building. Yeah, well.
0: <laughs> um. But shout yeah. out to
1: Ron White. There. Man, should we clean up in here? No, no we'll we'll do another
0: phone. Well, Conga up there.
1: Who I God, my butt. butt.
0: <sighs> California, another great, another state you're very familiar with.
1: Shout out to any bishops, uh, Tenelos, or um, no, that's it. Any yeah. bishops or Tenelos <laughs> listening to us in California?
0: Well, they're from Mountain View and Powie, Poway, P-O-W-E-Y.
1: Seems like Poe. Poey? Anyway, if you're listening to us in California, shout out, my uh, wants familiar, my favorite town name I have ever heard of in my life. Passed it coming back home on I believe the three ninety five, coming down from Central California because my wife doesn't own a globe. <laughs> we, left, we left Death Valley and ended up at Mount Whitney because my wife doesn't understand directions. <laughs> Anyway, we went by this little rinky dink town called Dunmovin. Dun
0: Dunmovin, Dunmovin,
1: California. <laughs> so if you're anywhere near there or not, thanks for listening. Shout out.
0: Oh man. Uh, I do
1: love I was a resident for a short time. I do love the great state of California.
0: It, it seems like a ni- certain places are a nice place. I don't know. Uh Pennsylvania, the great city the Keystone state. Of Philly.
1: Philadelphia, Phil- that's our profile.
0: Philly is, they're, they're hot for us now. They are. That's a tough town, man. Uh, it, it can you be. Know,
1: I, honest to goodness, I've also drove, drove through Philadelphia a couple times. the way out to Atlantic City for trips. Been through Philadelphia. Beautiful city.
0: It, it is, it is. Maryland, it wouldn't give me the city of Maryland. Uh, but we are a bit. Apparently, we're a hit in Maryland.
1: Shout out to our Catholic friends.
0: Yep. and in Virginia, believe <laughs> it or not, the the cradle, uh, the birthplace of our first president, the great George Washington. Several That's of
1: the several
0: original, several of the original. Other
1: John Adams, I think, probably first. John Adams, yeah, I think, Sean yeah, Adams Massachusetts.
0: He was Massachusetts, uh, yeah, and then of course our own home state, Indiana, which takes the top spot.
1: Well there you go. And yeah.
0: um, So exciting exciting news. I was I, I could not believe it. I think I texted you a couple weeks ago, like we are literally coast to coast. We're in New York and we're in California. How? I don't know.
1: However you found us, mm-hmm. we appreciate you listening. We we would do this show just just for ourselves, I yeah. Because we did for a while. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So if you're enjoying it, uh, we love doing it, and we'll keep doing it. So uh, it, it's, shout out to everybody checking us out out there. And uh,
0: we actually have a new platform. I just checked. We are on Amazon Music. Believe it or not, they have podcasts now. Not just the place for you to go to listen to Garth Brooks music because he refuses to put it on iTunes. Um, so I, I respect it. I do, yeah, yeah. Uh, this week's been kind of Garth Brooks. I've been in nostalgia this week, and I've been watching. There's a documentary that he did about his life. The he used to call it Behind the Music. Now it's the e, the Oh Biography Channel.
1: But I was gonna say E yeah. was True Hollywood Story. But I think uh, even that's retired.
0: Yeah. It, it probably is. Uh, but it's all about Garth Brooks, and it interviews him, his ex-wife Sandy. The great Trish Yearwood, his daughters, um, but it it literally took me back to when I was a kid. I mean, li- hearing the stories about how these songs come around, these albums, and um, yeah, it brought. I've got look, I've got goosebumps just thinking about it. I mean, I I I if you if I haven't said it on here, and I don't think I have, I am a huge Garth Brooks fan. Going to see him in May at Notre Dame Stadium, and. Uh,
1: I believe I, sh- I showed you the clip of him on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I'm about to hold him. In Indiana, we're not sure what season we're in, and I'm susceptible to seasonal allergies, so I apologize for errant coughs and sneezes that might show up. I also sound like I'm wounded. I, I am a little bit in the voice, so yeah. you know, we're-, we're working through. but I showed Matt a clip of Garth Brooks hosting Saturday Night Live, and I think you probably knew he hosted Saturday mm-hmm. Night Live, but... The skit when the devil tries to get him to sell his soul for a song mm-hmm. is top, ten, top five.
0: It's quite possibly one of the greatest they ever did. And he actually, I watched some interviews. And that's what led me to watch the documentary. Um, they talked about him hosting SNL, and they said, what was your favorite moment? And he, and he actually cites the devil skit with Will Ferrell. That has to be my all-time favorite thing I've ever done on television. Um <laughs> I'm the and devil and I'm here to say I'm, I'm rocking and a rolling in the,
1: the
0: USA. All my homies <laughs> have the one Quite I mean it, wow, it that was terrible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: I'm just I'm just gonna go for it. Yeah, just just, go.
0: just gonna go for it. That's, that mango. Oh yeah. <laughs> Carth Brooks get hung up on mango. don't <laughs> oh, be mango. mango But yeah, I I uh mm, Garth, I mean and I actually I used him in my sermon this morning. There you go. I mean, I, I talked about kids and uh, the blessings that they are in their life because I spent all week with Lorraine, as you as you oh, may have seen. Oh,
1: that looked like a lot of fun. Oh,
0: I'll tell you what. Dad was tired on Thursday evening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Mom better be careful leaving her with Dad for too long because that girl's going to be in her rubber boots out in the field here for too
0: long. Uh, I got a feeling that, ain't, that the dress thing ain't going to happen because she will... She, rubber
1: boots a coveralls. She
0: doesn't really appreciate the fact that you can see up a skirt. Um, so she climbs on things and wants to do things. And if it falls forward, it falls forward. And she don't really care. I found that out very, very uh, quickly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this... And the reason why we, we hark on this, on talking about getting nostalgic is because this is the continuation of last week's episode of When We Get Nostalgic... We always smile. I don't know. That's what I'm calling it. I don't know is that if that's what it's called. That's what it's called. Um, at least it is today uh, for this episode. Next week, we're probably going to get into something very, very fun. I don't know. Um, but uh, no, debatable at best.
1: Are we capable of fun? <laughs> I mean, we, we did talk about at the beginning how forlorn and and sad things are. So well,
0: I'll tell you what. When we get on topics we like, yeah, it's great. Then we start, you know, we're, we, we need rocking chairs in here, bud. We really do. Because, I mean, at times in this show, my wife even listens to it on occasion. She said, uh, yeah, great support from the house on this, by the way. Um, but... uh well, I'll
1: tell you, rocket chairs might be an issue because the cost of lumber is about four hundred thousand per pound. I mean, it's it, so, it, political it, comedy. Uh, Let me just say, vote real quick, folks, that uh, my political opinions do not reflect the political opinions of Mr. Matt Heath. Well, all the other political opinions of Mr. Matt Heath reflect mine?
0: Oh, so, okay, all right. We share a lot, a, a lot of the first, same.
1: Well, first of all, just making sure mm-hmm. that everyone knows. When inevitably I say something incredibly stupid, you're free from it, and the possible off chance that you say something, I'm off of that.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've always preferred to think of us as the band on the Titanic, playing till we go down. You know, unified in that front. But you know, if if you're like you see the water rising, you hop on the lifeboat, and I'm down a fiddle. That's fine. You know, we can play with a cello, I guess.
1: Well, it's just it's it's important to uh to, to cover your uh,
0: cover your ba- cover and your bases and, there. It, and it's sad that we have to do that now. I mean,
1: you know, I I since I solemnly swear to uh, chloroform and write possible fascists on Matt's head if he gets out of line and yeah, Matt will uh, inevitably chloroform me and then red sharpie put commie on my forehead. I, I, I did, on a, so. on
0: occasion, yeah, 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 um. For
1: heaven's sakes, when did it become impossible to have an opinion in this country? Well, Uh, somebody made the comment on Facebook a week or two ago gas prices are a little high. And someone asked, Do you know how so stupid you sound? Gas costs $10 a gallon in Canada. I'm like, First of all, Canada doesn't measure in gallons. No. Second of all, um, shut up. Gas is a little high. (laughs) It's it's part (laughs) of
0: it, folks. I mean, it was like a
1: buck. I, I was driving to work in the worst of the pandemic. It was like a buck fifteen for a couple of weeks. Yeah, okay? four fifty five is a little high. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> a little so, much. Uh, I don't want to hear that. I can say gas is a little high and still be patriotic and say our good friends in the Ukraine deserve our support.
0: Mm-hmm. And I can also
1: say things like, "Boy, I wish gas was more like two dollars a gallon, and they'd open that pipeline." And you don't have to write me letters. I'm a an <laughs> exactly. opinion. Exactly. Address all letters to uh, www.I don't give a crap.com. Search the tab, find Glenn. You can send me those right to me.
0: I'm a, I'm darn near t- tempted to just buy that domain. Oh, and... It's not available. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: because uh. I had
1: the I, I had the idea years ago of my first church as a joke to buy that domain and use that for mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of my career wasn't available.
0: You're kidding no. me. Oh,
1: man. Oh. Like, I was going to put up random reasons why I didn't care about things. I was really going to invest in Yeah, up. yeah. Went
0: well, by the wayside. Wh- no kidding. Well, well. Now we have Facebook, though. Maybe we could do it on Facebook. I don't know.
1: Maybe. Huh? group, I don't give a crap Yeah, there. <laughs> <laughs> Search the tab. Find Glenn. Write him a letter. Send it to, uh. T. Glenn at I don't give a crap dot org. There we go. See, that might get confusing if we have a dot com and a dot org.
0: Yeah, well, you know, consistency is not one of our strong suits, bud. Let's just be honest here. Yeah, no, um,
1: but I've, i feel like I've hijacked this plain enough. Um,
0: let's bring back it to your let, Let's bring it back in a little. I don't. I,
1: you know that's part of it. We're going to talk tonight about some of the church people. Who inspired us in our ministry journey? Last week we talked about family and, or, frankly, lack thereof in some circumstances. Who supported the journey? Um, this week we're going to talk about church folks who inspired us, and um, I'll take I'll take the wheel here to start go with. Ahead, uh, go ahead, go um, ahead. I have from the Fowlerton United Methodist Church. You know, I could name them, and I and I might. uh, well, unfortunately, most of them have passed, so I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings, I don't think, but um, just to start at the top, because they're all around the room, I mean, two of the best ones are up in the corner up there, Donna and Charlene Clock. Uh, Donna Clock, the gal who was mostly responsible for me being in ministry, uh, when the minister had decided that maybe I didn't need to be going to church at Fowlerton anymore, and (laughs) Um, instead of my father murdering him, <laughs> um, I just decided, well, you know what? I'll go somewhere else. And uh, I sat by Donna Clock until I started going to church at uh, Matthews and became their youth pastor. So, um, so she was the same person. Charlene Clock tried to teach me how to play the piano. I didn't have the, I didn't have the stick to it for a piano. I've tried a couple times. I get going on other things. I just don't have the patience Mm -hmm. to sit down and learn it. Uh, But saying of a woman, got a funny couple funny stories about her, but I'll mention um, she was going to teach my brother how to play the piano because he had kind of a natural talent, it appeared. She said she had nothing to teach him because he played completely by ear, and he does. Oh, wow. He can play entire songs on piano if he wants to to this day. He didn't work at it. Mm-hmm. But he can do it. I heard him do it recently. Regular Elton so,
0: John, by the sound of it.
1: He had, he had so many. I love my brother Kyle. He had a lot of things he could, he, he could have done that, unfortunately, I think he's running out of time on. But he can still do piano. Mm-hmm. So, um, piano, who knows, someday. Uh, but Charlene Clark liked Speed. <laughs> and uh, she's like 97 years old. And they're uh, just plowing down... Um, Fairmount, Turn, Fairmount Turnpike Fair, Fairmount Turnpike? Fairmount Avenue between Fairmount and Gas City, Indiana and uh, she's going about 100 and uh, my dad and I passed her and he goes, I hope she slows down there's a cop up there she did not, she got a ticket <laughs> uh, she was going through in town in Fairmount where the speed limit is 20 if you've ever been hometown of James Dean, Jim Davis shout out to Jim no big deal. Uh, yeah. I am related to it. Oh, oh. Okay. Creator of Garfield, if you don't know who that is. Um, so she was going through town at about 27. She got pulled over by the Fairmount PD, Fairmount's finest. The guy said, what's your hurry? And she said, what do you mean? He said, well, you're going 27 a 20. And she goes, is the speed limit through here 20? He said, yes, ma'am. There's signs posted. She goes, I know. I didn't think they were serious, though. I don't think this car goes 20. <laughs> so, props to Charlene Clock. Mm-hmm. Um, Edna Smith, I think I'm like it. We'll call her Miss Smith. Uh, was our storyteller at uh, our children's group, CCC Community Kids Club. It was probably supposed to be Community Children's Club, but my dad insisted on Community Kids Club. <laughs> and called it CCC because he's Tom Davis. He have all your rules. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she was, our, she was our storyteller and she would tell stories from memory that she jotted down and going through. And she was one of the people who really shaped how I speak in public because she was, she would emphasize things. She would read in different voices. She really brought you into the story. Mm-hmm. And, um, She would challenge us to learn Ten Commandments, learn Bible verses. And uh, she really shaped my early ministry. And these things are important. She taught me kind of how to speak in public. And that was very, very important. Because a lot of people think, well, I'll just go and do this ministry thing. It's a lot like wrestling. You may be able to do every move in the playbook, but if you don't have charisma and you cannot get over, nobody cares. Yeah. You have to get over. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And part of that is being entertaining to a point. You yeah. have to keep people's attention. And there's a lot of people who tell me, well, that's bull, and I'll say, well, you would have to tell me why I'm wrong. Because it's worked everywhere I've gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, let's see. Grandma Bernadine Richards, who was uh, one of my mom's friends, uh, bring us into church. My dad and another guy, actually, firemen's carried her into church for about 10 years. Really? She couldn't climb the stairs, and they didn't have a ramp, because that wasn't a thing in the early 90s. No, no, no. So they would bring her in. Oh... Let's see. My Aunt Pat was a big one. She was my Sunday school teacher. And, uh, she taught us the finer points of the David C. Cook Sunday school materials. Uh, it's strange. There weren't a ton of males in the church that really influenced me other than my dad. And looking back on it, I'm not sure why that is. Um... But it was it was mostly the ladies of the church, uh, and they were all just uh, well. I got to mention I'd be I would I would probably spend a few months in purgatory if I didn't mention Minnie Piper. And Minnie Piper is exactly how she sounds. She had energy. <laughs> Minnie Piper hugged everybody who came in the church, whether you wanted it, needed it, or not. She would just come over, get over here, and get a hold of me. <laughs> <laughs> We had uh, some bikers come to church one time to speak, and she had them line up, and she hugged every one of them on the way in, and there were a couple of them look looked really uncomfortable, <laughs> and when they left, they lined up to hug really? back. So, um, yeah, Rita Taylor. Rita Taylor was a massage therapist, but she was also kind of a spiritual guide for me. She was a very in tune. Uh, with Holy Spirit and with uh, movement of the Spirit gifts. And she really influenced me. In fact, when I walked into church after my call to ministry at camp the week after, she was the first person I saw, and I told her, I said, Well, i I'm called to ministry. She says, "Uh, You didn't know that? I thought (laughs) you knew that. She she already knew. Um, She would, uh, sometimes when she would do massages and things, she would... Pray on people and regardless of how you feel out there about these things, I'm, I mean, I was a first class witness and you don't have to believe it, but I'm telling you it's the truth. She would come in with things still roaming around and she would get rid of them at church and you would hear her make sounds and do things and she would get you to believe. So... <laughs> um, But no, I had about 15 grandmas Mm -hmm. in that church, and it really wasn't until I started with my call to ministry that uh, men really came about and started investing. And it wasn't in my church. It was really in leadership, the the denomination, pastors that really started to invest on that front. But um, the biggest influence in that early church was Ellen Nichols, who was my pastor from 1991 to 1997 and then again I think from roughly 2006-2008 and um, Ella was one of the original OG women pastors in the area. Oh really? Um, They really insulted her told her she didn't belong and the United Methodist Church has been ordaining women for 150 years but they weren't necessarily doing it around here. And I did an interview for at a, for Indiana Wesley, which is a school here locally where I got my undergrad and my teaching degree. And I had to do an interview with someone who uh, had met resistance in their call. And I asked her, I said, well, how'd you get past people in high positions telling you you didn't belong? And she said, well, I never let it bother me too much because why would I let men tell me something's wrong when I know God told me it was right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It just blew me away. Yeah, um, and she was the most present, caring. You know, looking back on it, the um, her her preaching. She she read a lot of her things. She wrote a lot of things down. Um, but man, her pastoral presence, her care, the the way she chose her words, the way she chose her phrasing, what she said, what she didn't say. She was just a beautiful, beautiful pastoral presence and that was another side of my ministry that I'm not good at. I'm an introvert. There are times, I'm going to be honest, and this might be a surprise. It's a surprise sometimes for people to hear this. Some, but sometimes other people are like, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. <laughs> um, in ministry, you grow to dislike people in your church. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Yeah. Let's just throw it on the table. And sometimes you have to go and sit with those people at the hospital. Sometimes you have to go sit with their families where they have talked mad crap about you to them. And you have to put on a smiling face and be their pastor. You got to be the guy. Yeah. And Ella was one of the people who really taught me that that was the case. And she actually, they threatened to carry her out of one of her churches early in her career. And she just kept saying, well, I don't have to like them, but I got to love them. Yeah. And that's kind of the tale. As I came up in that church, That group of women, and it makes me really sad today to look at the situation in the church, particularly now post-COVID, because before COVID, this church was getting close. We were over the hill. We were growing, and we were developing some of that identity of people were putting the church and the people in the church first, and the kids were really starting to relate to the adults, and the adults were really starting to enjoy working with the kids. Because when that died off with that generation, and Donna Clark just died last year. She was, old, she was 100 years old. Gladys Richards, I forgot to mention Gladys. I mentioned her before. She was our prayer warrior. she come in with lists like a receipt tape <laughs> that would drag the ground. Really? Because people would just call her from all parts of the country, all parts of the county. So, seriously, because they knew she prayed for them. Mm-hmm. Just people she met along the way and prayed with them. they called call her from wherever they were. She'd get calls from out of the country. She'd get calls from both coasts. And, um, you know, she would read every one of them. And sure, she didn't care how long it took. If you said, all right, Gladys, she'd be like, shut up, I'm reading. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When, you know, she was like 100, she was well over 100. I don't remember exactly how old, but um, when that generation wasn't able to do that anymore, and a lot of them started passing away, the church lost its heart. And that's what makes me the saddest, and why a lot of our churches aren't growing. Because you, as the established church, have to make the commitment to invest in your community. You have to make the choice to invest who is coming to your church. And if you don't, that's fine. But don't complain when you ain't growing. Don't complain when when your projects don't work, people are never going to invest in you if you aren't willing to invest in them. And it's it's so backwards today. Well, we want people to come to our club. Do you know them? Do you know their schedule? Do you know why they're not coming? Have you, have you looked into any of this? And a lot of times, no. They haven't. Because, well, they should be coming to our church and doing our things. And I'm like... I've probably said this a thousand times, but if you're new to the show, this is this is one of my favorite things. I'm trying really hard not to blank here. Um, you know, the only people who like what you're doing already come to your church. Mm-hmm. You got to change it up if you want to grow. If you don't, that's funny. You can still do good work. And I've never been opposed to a church willing to just let themselves go. If that's what you want to do. But if you're constantly complaining to me, and this has been the case in several of my stops. If you're constantly, because I've worked in small rural churches, folks. I've never been a, a big city pastor. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Upland, Mountain View and Upland was probably uh, my closest to a big city. But Upland not really that big of a city out there. So I don't count that one. But people will tell you what they want, then you give it to them, and it turns out that wasn't what they really wanted, they thought that's what they thought they wanted. So, Fowlerton and those women have been my inspiration for 20 years now, because I really felt like I was carrying on what they passed to me. And... It's frustrating to get to a place where people just reject being that kind of church because that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. We had 60 to 70 kids sometimes at those youth programs in a town of about 200 people. That's pretty impressive. It, It was. That's really
0: impressive, yeah.
1: And it was because they were invested in their community. And you just don't see it very much.
0: No, I mean it. It. it...
1: So while I'm nostalgic and it's exciting to think about those things, it also tears me up a little bit because I miss it, and I'm just I've been struggling to get it back. Maybe someday, I'll find a church or an appointment where we can really embrace that model again. Because the model is simply a group of people who care enough to invest in their community. Yeah, that's all it is.
0: Well, I mean, if you want to look at it, the way I, I heard a quote this week, and I'm really, it's been rolling around my head for a while. And it it's, it's the the quote is, every curse has a blessing, and every blessing has a curse. Um, and, 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 this, and in this respect, I would say that You could have a church, and I've I've, the first church I worked at was very much like this. They had an average attendance of about 65, 70 every week, you know. Once they, because we we were open for a while, and then COVID kind of flared up. They shut down for a good bit, then they opened back up and, and everything. And, you know, we had a lot of people, and they wanted to be invested to a point, but. The only thing that would come around is they were hammering, Well, we need to get the kids in here. We need to get the kids in here. All right. What do you want? What do we want to do to do that? Well, how about uh, how about a popcorn movie night or something? Or how about you know we'll show uh, the great movie Thomasina or something like that? I don't. I don't know. I'm just pulling an old Disney movie out of the out of the air, but. Um, they were fired up to do it and i mean they were excited to want to do it but they didn't really want to embrace anything new like like you were saying they didn't want to look at anything that would draw somebody new in for fear of chasing off the old pe- the older people um uh, not literally old, the older people but just you know the people who had been there a while so that's kind of one of those, it's a blessing, but it also has a curse. And the other aspect is the curse that also has a blessing is the curse would be, you know, we don't have any kids, but you have an opportunity to create the opportunity, the chance for them to actually come and be involved. And it, it, it's one of those, it's a very, and we say this on the show um, a lot, you know, we, we say that, <clears throat> you know, uh, we walk a fairly good tightrope about maintaining what we have, but also growing. Even if you have a church of 200 plus people coming every week, you still want, because that's our charge, that's a great commission. Go forth and make disciples of all, na- of all nations, Matthew 28. And um, you know we we want to. Uh, I just lost my train of thought. It happens every once in a while, folks. I hope,
1: I hope you get back on track. Evelyn Smith, not Edna. I feel better about things now.
0: Okay, well then there you go. Um, but uh, you know we we want to keep the you know keep that core there, but we also want to embrace new people who want to come. New, you know. People who are looking for a church to attend, um, you know, it, it can be very much. Uh, it can be strenuous because it, even if it's a little a little idea to change something, as I found out, a little change can invoke a month long process of meetings and discussion and late nights and a worry and. Um, and it all, and it all comes from the whole, you want to do this, but you're not willing to take the chance, you're not willing to take a chance, curse and blessing. And I shouldn't say that, I shouldn't say it that, you know, the, the members of our church or any church for that matter, who have been going for a good while, that they are not, um, they're just sticks in the mud, but... There is this deep-rooted thought of, well, that's the way we've always done it, and it's a nail in the coffin for anything. I don't care if it's church, myself. I'm involved in. I'm a Freemason. I'm a member of the Masonic Lodge. We're dealing with that wholeheartedly because we've got a lot of guys in there who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and they're not willing to embrace new ideas because that's not the way we've that's not the way we've done it. So, I agree with you. I mean, and that's the reason why we're on this seri- on this little series right now is because we want to look back and remember fondly because every once in a while, you need to. The way the world is now, you gotta kind of, I hate to say it this way, but you kind of have to create a place where you can kind of retreat. You can gather your thoughts and, you know, you can do it in a place that is familiar to you, that is, uh, you know, that is a comfort to you. Um, I saw a thing this week, again, and it was about, and I think we've talked about it on here, or you and I have talked about it. The reason why, why you like rewatch old shows over and over and over, like there's a gal we know, Emily, She re- she's a big Friends fan, mm-hmm. huge Friends fan. Can quote any? Can, I mean, I could literally tell you one thing that happened in the show, and she could tell you the episode title, what season and number, and uh, you know. But she keep you know, they you know, people rewatch these shows and they become obsessed with them. I've got friends who are big fans of The Office, and they rewatch it all the time, and it's because it it's a comfort to us. And the 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 thing the little article was about. Uh, people use that nowadays as a way of handling anxiety and handling things like that. And, um, because oftentimes we're, 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 we are rewatching shows that remind us of a better time, a greater time. Um, you know, I was watching the movie Moneyball a couple weeks ago. Uh, great Bla- uh, Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill flick. Um... And it talks about, you know, early to, late 90s, early 2000s when the Oakland days were trying this newfangled thing of, you know, looking at the numbers instead of... Analytics. Yes, it there it is. And, um, you know, it, but I mean, it just, it took me back to when I was a kid because the things I saw, the brands I saw, the ads, the, you know the social stuff that was going on and all that it just really invoked again a sense of nostalgia um, but uh, but yeah we we'll, we'll get I get off my soapbox on that uh, for right now but uh, I guess it's it's up to me unless you' uh, you've got a few more on your church family but I want I want to address something really quick. Go for it. Um, about last week's episode, I I mentioned a couple of the influences, the outside influences I had, like close to me, around me. Um, then I mentioned some TV dads, you know, Dan Connor, Tim Tim Allen, all these. I mean, and I it goes without saying, but um, you know, my mom and dad, they were very much, they were very supportive of everything that I, I did to a point. Um, they were the ones who mm, they realized that I had a gift for public speaking. They encouraged me to pursue that and 4-H and FFA and things like that. And I mean, they also did tell you my dad taught me how to be a man. My my mom taught me how to be a decent human being. Otherwise, she'd you know beat me to beat me senseless. Um, but I mean, but and it's it's one of those things. I learned it at the house, and then when you go and you watch these things and you watch these guys, it reinforces that uh, a little bit. So I kind of you know I got to think about that, and about a little bit. It's like man, I didn't mention mom and dad at all, um, and I felt bad. So I had to address it in this episode. But as far as church family goes, I've got I've got a few. Um... I've mentioned her on this show, um, but, uh, she does, she wants to be brought up again. One of the ladies that was very, um, adamant that I go into ministry and everything, was very supportive, um, in my home church, was a lady by the name of Nanetta Kane, Sweetest old lady that you could ever meet, was literally everybody's grandma. Um, Mm -hmm. Heck of a cook. The church used to do like Wednesday night service and she would be the cook for a lot of it and um she would just How are you doing, honey? I'm like, Oh, I'm good. How are you, Nanetta? Um but I mean, she was adamant that I was going to go into ministry. And I I still kick myself to this day that I literally preach my first sermon and she passes away. Um, she never did get to hear me, which I is one of my regrets a little bit that I didn't think to do it sooner. Um but, you know, I I did leave it, you know, I but, you know, I think she knows. Um I had some friends of mine who were very they were uh they were adamant that, you know, we all got together and didn't, you know, uh um we worked in the kids' church. We worked in in few in uh, the youth group. We were in few few uh, youth group. Um, those guys. I mean, Colin Kennedy, uh, Nolan Hall, two guys who to this day I'm still I still call some of my some of my best friends, including you, my friend. You're my bestest friend. Um, are you? But. Uh, But I, I, uh, they were when I stopped going to church when I was in high school as a senior. They would text me. They want to meet up for lunch or whatever. And they'd, hey, why ain't, why ain't you coming back to church? What's going on? You fell off the face of the planet. They were adamant about it, and um, you know they and they were they kind of pressured me for it. Uh, another couple guys who you know I come to I've come to know and become. Uh, uh, friend you know more friendly with and good friends with um you know him as well as i do rich mccorkle mark stacy um these two guys are just um you know we would go to royal family and rich would ask him hey why, why are not you coming back to church man you used to be pretty big in that thing i don't know just not the right time or something i don't know um but these guys, but they never really truly gave up on me, and or anything. You know, I mean, they, I mean, they were the ones who they invited me after it was the first year that I went back and helped a royal family after I'd gotten married, and they said, "Hey, why don't we go to? Why don't you join our small group? Why don't you join our, our Bible study?" Like, okay, if you want a young guy in there, because everyone in there is about there, you know, forty or something. Uh, um, but. Uh, you know, so that, that was always a, a good, kind of a good influence on me a little bit and uh, growing up, I should say. Um, you know, there, there's just been, uh, there's been a lot of positive influences in my, in my youth uh, as far as church family goes. Um, because they love, you know, we, let's just lay it out as it is. Old people like seeing young kids in church. It brings a smile to their face. It does. Um, but you know, when you get into a leadership role and you're trying to create opportunities for that to come around, as we've said, you know, then it kind of you start the the water gets a little muddy because it doesn't. It's not like what they originally intended or wanted or thought. Um, but, you know, I, I, I initially, I had a lot of, like I said, I had a lot of people at, you know, out and around who were positive influences on, um, my young, uh, faith. Um, you know, like I say, I, I've, I've listed a few of them here. I mean, there's just, and I know I'm forgetting, I know I'm probably forgetting a few of them. My dear sweet granny, of course. She's always been the one who, um, you know, mom and dad weren't going, but she wanted me to go with her to church, and, um, she'd come down and get me, and take me, and take me and everything, and, um, so, uh, kudos to her on that aspect, um, but I mean, you know, and I'm sure I'm probably thinking, I'm probably forgetting a few, Lisa Kennedy, um. Colin's mom, she was a, an influence in that. Um but you know, it, it's just uh you know, there's just a lot of opportunity. There's just a lot of people that were around. And of course, I went to a church that had averaged about 220 every week. They had two services. Decent sized uh church. Um No, I just I just happened to think of it. This is going to be the last one that pops up in my head. Another guy, uh, he was the, the children's minister when I was going to the children's ministry. And then um, when I stuck around and started helping out when uh, you graduated out of children's ministry, you went into youth ministry, uh, I came back and started helping. Uh, um, Jeff Sawyer, a great guy, um, now lives in Texas, but he was a guy who was, you know, he got he got he got children's ministry he knew the the subtle nuances that it took to do children's ministry um and uh, great guy still like talking with him uh, when I get the chance and uh, not as often as, as it used to be but but yeah yeah i uh, now Glenn let me ask you this
1: sure
0: on the aspect of, we've talked about the positive, uh, the positive forces in our, you know, in our church families. Sure. I'm I'm assuming you've probably dealt, I did at least, with negative influences in your church family. Absolutely. Not, and I'm not, and I'm not necessarily just you know when you decide to go into ministry, but I'm talking younger on, and I think you've talked about it, and I've, I don't think I've really dived into my experience. Um, But, uh, but what, so you, you said you've had a few. Take the reins, my friend.
1: Well, uh, I'm not going to name names on this one. Absolutely but, uh, not, no. There was a gal who uh, did uh, some leadership at the same kids club, and everything I did. Or everything anyone else did near me was my fault. And it was the worst thing that had ever been. See, uh, my dad and my uncles and my aunts on my dad's side all grew up with my grandparents. Unfortunately, were alcoholics. They drank. And uh, at least that's what I've been told. I wasn't there. But um, so sometimes I would be looked down upon because I'm from the family tree. Mm-hmm. And my brother was a troublemaker, so naturally I was going to be a troublemaker. And, you know, when you're five or six, and you get sat in the corner at church, that's one thing. When you're 12, 13, and they're like, well, why don't you go sit in the corner and think about what you did? You're like, we do that at home, right? man. Mm, yeah. Like... <laughs> I started walking off going home. Mm -hmm. And um, after two or three times, my mother finally figured out that I wasn't just crowing, that I was getting embarrassed. And it was. It was embarrassing to be told as a 13-year-old leader in your church, well, why don't you just go home? And and nobody was really sticking up for me. And the other one, well, the the other one, let's, let's ease up a little bit. There were more than that. Um, of course, the minister told me that I wouldn't be welcome at the church if I kept acting like that for something I didn't do. By the mm-hmm. way. Uh, just a couple of the people ganged up on me, and he took their word over mine because they were cooler than I was. Oh, man. Um, they didn't give me a chance. Just Well, maybe, I've never told anybody they can't come back. And I'm like, are you telling me I like, can't come back? It's kind of confusing, and considering... Uh, I was telling someone at the tenor wine supper the other day because I parked over in front of my old house over by the church. <laughs> um, you know, my father roughly paid for probably a quarter of this. And if you throw in my pad, probably a third of this entire ground and all the buildings on it. So we're going to park here. <laughs> it probably wasn't, in retrospect, the best idea for that guy to be like, well, I don't know if you should go to church here. Because my dad was going to come in his office and go, well, maybe you shouldn't go to church here either. so, uh, there were people who didn't particularly like the way we acted, didn't like particularly, you know, there are just some people who, as many people as there are who love having little kids at church, there are people out there who don't think that little kids should be at church. And I don't know why those people think that way. You know, when I had to navigate the situation when... My aunt was told not to bring my little cousins to church anymore. Um, Furious doesn't describe it. I put my job on the line and didn't care how it came out Mm -hmm. because it was my opinion, I won't be pastor of his church anyway. That's crap, yeah. um, Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know that story, um, and it is a great story, I giggle every time because it was the funniest picture. Uh, We took pictures at a Bible school in the summer and uh, one of the pictures had my at the time five year old little cousin, uh, my, my cousin, one of my cousin's boys, so just cousin, mm-hmm. um, shooting bird because they made <laughs> funny poses. Yeah. And his dad was a firefighter in Iraq, you know, so a little bit of a grunt. Mm-hmm. So not gonna. Yeah, I thought it was adorable. I yeah. was no help. I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> I mean, just right up front, boom. Just oh. Got it right up, and I said, "Well, I'll talk to him," and and I did. But a couple of uh, people who have argued with every pastor we've ever had got a hold of these pictures. Oh, this was the worst thing that had ever happened. Worst thing that ever happened, and. Um, I caught wind of that conversation. I said, guys, it's not that big a deal. It's a teaching moment. So let me talk to him. And he'll, he'll probably never do it again. But it's, it's a good story. To, it's funny. It's a good story mm-hmm. to tell. He'll always have that memory at church. Well, then I find out that someone got sent down to my aunt's house to tell her not to bring him or his little brother to church anymore. And on a Friday afternoon... I threw away a sermon I've been working on for four days and wrote a new one. took me about ten minutes. And I preached for a good 45 minutes that Sunday. And it was on this topic of, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus' disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. And it's very, very important, Jewish custom, that you not only wash your hands before you eat, you wash your hands with a double-handled Pouring mechanism so your hand doesn't get dirty from touching the dirty handle. Mm-hmm. Very meticulous. And they didn't do that. They just went out and ate without washing their hands. And someone comes up and says, You know, Jesus, your disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. It's not very Hebrew of them. And Jesus proceeds to tell them about hunger and about, you know, all these different things. And um, when I was preaching on it, You know, you made the comment when you walked out of where you walked out of. You said some Clint Eastwood stuff. It got real at the end of the sermon. (laughs) I I look back on it and I still can't believe I had the cojones to do this. Um, I ended my sermon with, we want kids in our, or something to the effect of, we, we don't want kids in our church unless they'll behave. We don't want kids in our church unless they follow our ways. We don't ask who they are, why they're here, what we need to do for them. All we can muster to ask ourselves is why aren't they washing their hands? Mm -hmm. I mean, pen drive. That's, oh yeah. And I was legitimately, I went in the back office and I waited for them to come fire me. Like (laughs) Really? Wow. And I I didn't care. Yeah. I was ready for it. And my aunt, who was the first person back there, kissed me on the forehead and say and said, don't worry, no one's going to say a word to you. And her and my mother and my father and several members of my oversight committee stood at the door and thanked everyone for coming and said, I hope you sure will think about what Pastor said today.
0: Wow. That's, wow. What? Yeah. Mine's, yeah.
1: That was the worst. That's, when you have to send someone down to say, you know, you shouldn't bring your grandkids to church. I will fight you. I will tell you where I am. You come down. I'm beat B-dubs on 15th and Elm. <laughs> you get down here. Let me, well, I'm going to fight you. Mm-hmm. If we don't want kids at church, do you expect church to make it to the next generation? No. And we treat kids as, you know, well, they're loud or they're annoying or they're this or they're that the future of the church man Jesus said let the little kids come to me I take that to heart
0: I think and I think you and I think it's one of those the older generations they get and I'm not saying this in a I don't say this in a condescending way or a mean way but the older generation
1: you're allowed to I'm giving you
0: permission. Well, you know, they, they, it's like they forget the fact that this little five, six, seven year old kid is coming in and they are not going to know subtlety. They're not going to know um, proper fill in the blank, you know. Um, you know, it definitely is something that, um, you know, it's definitely something that really, it sticks in my craw a little bit because, you know, we want these kids here. We want them to be active, absolutely, yes. But we don't want to give them any credibility in it. We don't want to be the ones who are teaching them, and who, who teach them in that aspect. It's kind of one of those, you should already know about this. You're forcing a seven-year-old kid to automatically know 20, 30 years of Christian life in the first 15 minutes that they are ever in a church building. That's not fair. That is not right at all. Um, you know, I, I had... Um, I had opportunity. I had moments where I was... I had a moment when I was a senior in high school... And I don't blame him specifically. There was another outside L. El- I don't him or her. I don't uh, blame them specifically, but I do cite it as a as a negative impact. I should say. It was a moment where I was, as I said, I was involved in the youth ministry. We went on a, a ski trip. And it was a conference kind of type deal, you know. You got to go skiing and all this fun stuff. <laughs> <coughs> oh, heavens. Um, it, it was definitely a, um, you know, it was just a weekend to be at one with God, to be in Christ, you know. And I, um, I there was a couple of people on there who were missionaries. They were talking about their missionary work. And there was a guy who was working and crafting surfboards. And I said, okay, yeah. That's, and I just kind of mentioned, oh, that's kind of neat, you know. Because um, he was in a country that had beautiful beaches but had no... <clears throat> he truly was a, a transplant. He was a, minute, he was a, a missionary. Um... And we're driving home, we've got like a a two-and-a-half-hour ride. And I sit up front, and we're talking and everything, and then just begins to say, if you want to do these things, if you want to, um, you know, I think you could be big in the ministry, but you're going to have to be able to abide by uh, the call that you get, you know. And it's probably going to pull you away from, from farming and everything. You can't be farming, and you can't do all this, And the conversation evolves into, "Are you sure you want to put your family through the same, um, the same pattern that you grew up in and everything?" And you know, I mean, because farming can be unstable and all this stuff. And I'm like, and the more and more he talks, the further and further I start to pull away, and that light that I had starts to dim just a little bit more with every mile that we go. Until finally, we get home. We get back, and I'm like. Deuces. I think I come to maybe one more youth group, maybe two, and then I'm I'm done. I I just I'm not I'm not coming. I'm not gonna do it anymore. Um, because if you're in my mind, in my young stupid uh, stupid mind, I felt that if you were going to berate me about my life choice and what I was going to do for a living, something that I had literally planned since I was all but two. Um you I'm sorry. I don't have room for that. No. Uh, it, I just I don't. And it it's comical because and I mean, and the other thing about it was too. There was an aspect of there was a, a another uh, there was another couple kids in there who were attending and um I I won't go into details on it because it's not my story to tell. Um but let's just say they were, they kind of grew up a little bit quicker. You know, they just, they right. they were in a situation where they grew up quicker. And, um, they were basically, from what I was told, they were basically told, uh, why don't we have you kind of step back a little bit and, you know, maybe not be as prevalent or active or anything. And I'm, and I heard this and I went, "Oh!" I mean, this was years later, I heard about it and I, I, got mad then and slowly but surely the person who was in charge of this started becoming more he was wanting to create a a group of people he they thought that they were going after the person the group of the people who needed to be ministered to and i understand that i do but in the process of doing all that he alienated every single person who had been there before to where the once thriving ministry was down to 10, 12, maybe 15. I mean, just nothing. And they ended up, of course, leaving and everything. And um, it, it has bounced back. It's it's grown again. Um, but because of that, I didn't go back to church. I probably didn't... I did not set foot in a church church. Oh... I think I went a couple times, um, a couple times, but it was one of those you know I'll go and then I'm gonna make try to make a habit of it. Well, you can't go just once and then expect it to be a habit, you know. Um, so I didn't set really set foot and sit through a church service until my girl, my girlfriend, my wife now. Uh, mother of my child, asked me, she said, hey, would you come to church with me? And I said, yeah, I guess, you know, because I was young. I was 20. You know, I, I didn't think about going to church. I thought about, you know, I get to sit next to her and you know, she's she's kind of, she's, she's got some, I'm, I'm warm to her form, as it were. You know, and
1: hey, uh, Rob Neal said openly probably 20 years ago, in a small group at Camp uh, Epworth Forest, I went to Trinity Hartford City United Methodist Church because they had the hottest babes in. <laughs>
0: I mean, and it's and I guess that's again, it's that blessing and curse thing. Um, you know, I had gone through this experience which had soured me, which was the curse, but the blessing in it was that I had. Um, it gave me the opportunity to reconnect with God in the sense that I was able to attend outside of that and look at it in another way, in another light. And um, so, I mean, it's one of those, it was a negative experience, but it also kind of brought me back into um, having the positive experience in it. Um, And I'm... You've said it before... not necessarily about this, about, you just said about ministry in general, but it is an aspect of where we are eating our own young, in a sense. We want kids, we want that, we want to hearken back to that nostalgia to where we have, you know, tons of kids coming in for youth group. We have, you know, trips going on that we're going to Michigan, where we're going to do service projects and you know, out of the country even. But we don't the heart's just not there no more. I mean, it, it's it may still be to a point, but it it's just not it's just not there, and we've let it slide. And we have all these things out there now that occupy our time. You know, we've got... Kids have video games, which they had them back then, but they're not nearly as cool as they are now. I don't know. Twisted Metal was a pretty fun game on the old PlayStation.
1: I think games were a lot more fun back in the day.
0: They... Well, yeah, they
1: were. South South Park, honestly, has kind of recaptured some of the magic. A video game can be challenging, but it should be easily accessible. You should not have to take out a loan and go back to school to play the stupid game. Yeah. Because uh, WWE apparently has completely redone their video games for 2022 because I owned WWE 2K19. It's impossible.
0: Really? Is it that bad? I mean, I shouldn't say like it's that some, bad. Some but...
1: buttons, it's like a UFC game. Some buttons are to shoot. Some buttons are to do upper moves. And I just got to the point where I'm like, heck with this. Yeah. I'll pop in WrestleMania 2000 on the N64, and at least I can get to the main event. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, I mean... And the
1: South Park games they put out recently are all story-driven. So they're not terribly difficult, but there's an adventure to it, and you have to figure out clues. Like, mm-hmm. the gameplay on some of these games, today is so hard. Yeah. Like, you just say, well, I can do something else with my time. Heck with that.
0: I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean... Well, and I mean, the other... Like, I play a lot of like racing games, driving games, flying games. Farming simulator, yes, I know. I spend hours doing it in real life. What better way to come home and unwind than farm some more ground? It's very potatoes. Pretty much. Uh, no, I grow barley on that one. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> and buy brands of machinery that are only available in um, the U.K.,
1: I was going to say, I was getting ready to say shout out to Ukraine for fancy uh, new farming methods and barley. Yeah, you know. They'll be be driving uh, new uh, Russian mad cat uh, people (laughs) movers planting their crops. Oh, I would
0: would love to be, I would love to take a trip over in in their planting season this year just to see because we've all seen that video. It's been sent to me, I, I counted up A grand total of 20 times of the Russian farmer hooking up his tractor to the tank and dragging it home. Quite possibly the greatest piece of entertainment that I have seen this year. Um, One of them, I should say. Um, I really want to go over to Ukraine and see in an open field, see that guy having that thing running and have a three-bottom plow behind. Or not even a a six-bottom plow. Something that's just out how about you just
1: turn, turn on the railgun load it up and just shoot holes in the ground and plant your
0: seed that's out. just how you do it oh it'd be so awesome I and I and I would go up to the farmer and I'd say hey padre uh mind if I take a little spin Sure, my friend go ahead I guess that's a Ukrainian sure accent um, a
1: little, deeper, a little yeah yeah
0: you wants would you like some vodka to do this heck
1: yeah why not
0: shoot we drinking.
1: They grow, they grow barley there, though, so probably got some good Ukrainian beer.
0: Oh, they do have good. Yeah, well, they probably would have good beer over there. Uh, speaking of which, not to get off topic, did you see that thing about I think we might as well. We yeah, we do it. We don't do it that often, you know. Uh, did you see that thing about the Ukrainian brewery that quit bottling beer and went solely to making Molotov cocktails, manufacturing them? I literally saw this and I'm like, I don't know, I don't, I've never heard of this brand of beer, but I'll tell you the truth. If they have it here in the States, I am willing to buy a couple cases of it because that is awesome. That is quite possibly the greatest thing. Um,
1: Certainly rallying around each other.
0: Absolutely.
1: And uh, to, to kind of, I think, pick up where we left off, I was, I was yeah. having a lot of thoughts Um I think this might be able to help us put a little bow on this, because um, we both have to work tomorrow. We do, so, yes. Uh, the long just spring break dream is over. Spring break lasted a little longer this year. Than, it um, it, uh,
0: it was it seemed it was like it went on for break. yeah. It, it 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 was a good time to reset and restart. I'm glad we're going. I'm glad we're going back. But on the flip side of the coin, I really enjoyed getting up at seven o'clock instead of six.
1: The extra hour makes a difference. It
0: does, man. It does.
1: 5.30 will come for me, so I got to go work out. So, wow. uh, Anywho, uh, if there is, because you know, if you don't know, um, I'm a United Methodist pastor, and if you haven't been watching the news, which I hope you haven't,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> United Methodist Church has been locked in a very, very deep divide for quite some time. We're talking 40, 50 years. Over the questions of uh, human sin, human sexuality, uh, our friends in the LBGTQ community, I know there are some extra letters, but um, I've, I've still, I'm still still—I'm working on it. Uh, but I don't enjoy conversations focusing on things that I don't think are the real issue. Because I think the real issue is the love of Christ. Who's it for? And I'll argue to the day I die that it's for everybody. And regardless, whether it's kids that make too much noise, kids that uh, can't keep their hands off stuff, people who have a uh, way of living that may differ from yours, Mm -hmm. um, and you don't want them in your church, I would ask you this question. Where is it that you would like for them to go? Yep. Because the best place for them to be it's is right church. There. Yep, and that goes for you know alcoholics, you know people struggling with addictions of certain kinds, uh, adulterers, uh, people who've had thefts. You know I've and I don't. I have a motto at my churches. I don't ever ask anyone to do something I wouldn't have done myself. I've had a little bit of everything, folks. Um, had a guy who was on hospice care, had about a month to live, who uh, was a registered sex offender. And he came to church for a few weeks and we made the necessary safety arrangements. And he came to church, so I'm not blowing smoke at you. I've, I've seen the underside of this. Folks, where else do you want him to go? Because church is a place where they can learn about love and they can see it. And you have the opportunity to put the words of Jesus into practice when he said, don't just love people who love you back. What's the point of that? Love on people who think differently than you do, who maybe even done things that have affected you personally. You know, our passage for um, uh, church today was Romans 12, 18 through 21, where Paul said, you should love your neighbor. You should love your enemy too. Give them a drink. Give them something to eat. Help them. Because you're cleansing them. You're teaching them how to love like Jesus that way. Yeah, in churches you sometimes have misgivings, arguments, conflicts. If you can continue to do ministry effectively without addressing that issue, then it's not worth addressing. If you can, address it and address it quickly. You don't get to decide who gets into the kingdom. The Methodist Church is locked in a very dangerous game of wanting to decide that right now. I had a conversation with a trusted friend in the United Methodist Church this week. And his exact words were, there are going to be a lot of people surprised about who's in heaven and who isn't. Jesus' salvation... His blood covering your sins is what gets sinners in heaven. Not your higher than thou attitude. Yeah. So, there's a lot of positive folks in the church. There's a lot of negative folks in the church. Focus on Jesus first. And love accordingly. Which, if you're kind of stingy with your love and affection, um, Jesus said everybody. It goes to everybody. So, um. I don't know, I just, you know, when you said, you know, the there are folks who don't want kids, they don't want people who are disruptive, or people who don't fit the narrative, where do you want them to go? Hell? Jail? I mean... Where, where do you want them to go? I that says a lot more about you than them.
0: Well, I mean, and it's like we, we, we've said on this show, and I even preached on it a couple of weeks ago, We don't give, and I mentioned it earlier with kids, we don't give them credibility. We do not, absolutely not, give any credibility to anybody. Solely because it is really easy to say hi and welcome. It's a whole lot harder to love and accept them. And I hate, and I mean, again, it's one of those things that... I don't have to agree with you that, you know, you voted for this guy. You did this. You did, Okay, that's fine. What I'm curious about is what are you going to do? What's your story with, you know, what's going on with you and Jesus? What's going on with you and your relationship? Um, you know, I, I, I really, I struggle with that whole mantra. A little bit, because everybody, you know, we always say the doors are welcome. The doors are open, and everyone is welcome.
1: What do you mean?
0: Exactly. Again, it's the reason I had a re- I, my wife was yelling at me this morning about, um, because the guy, one of the, the guy that helped that, that leads the song and everything, he was wearing a nice suit and everything, and she she said to me, "We might need to invest in some dress pants for you." And I said, "Why?" So it's because you look a little ratty just wearing jeans up there every time. Well, first off, my jeans are clean, which is a rare occasion for me, as you know. And secondly is, if it allows somebody to feel comfortable seeing me in jeans and a nice polo, if it give, allows them to come in and feel a little bit more comfortable and feel more um, at home, and it doesn't prevent them from from coming back or anything. I'll wear denim until the day I die, in the pulpit. That's just that's something that I have wholeheartedly believed in since I started. And uh, and you know it's one of those things that. Again, we just, we don't have, we don't give any credibility. We, we completely, and again, that's why we feel nostalgic. Because we remember as a kid, I can remember going in and wearing a t-shirt and blue jeans going to church. Because that was what, that's what I, that's what I wanted to wear. I, 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 well, I wore a button down. I was that kid in fourth grade. Button up stravy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pop, you know, uh, a brush popper shirt and everything. Um, if you don't know what a brush popper shirt is, it was big in the 90s. Um,
1: you know what a brush proper shirt is? It's a not listen to a side plane. I don't know uh, what it is either. Yeah, you know, you
0: know. uh, yeah. But I mean, you know, I, and I guess to kind of wrap all this up, it, it's the simple fact that the people that we had in our lives that encouraged us Point blank, we just don't have them anymore. And the ones that we do have, they are quashed. They are stomped down. They are silenced by the ones who truly think they know and feel that what their mantra is, what their ideology is, takes precedence over everything. I cannot abide by that anymore. I just can't. And next week we're going to talk about our uh, ministerial influences. Um, After getting into, beginning to to dive into our call and then, you know, kind of talking about even even today. Um, And I hope that you stay with us uh, for the conclusion because there's going to be an exciting announcement at the end of it um something coming through on uh, the pipeline uh you already know about it glenn old it's news. old news um but it it does kind of tie in very very well with it um so i hope that you stay with us in that aspect friends i believe we're going to go ahead and call this one uh, a, a night we're going to wrap this one up we thank you for wa- listen- watching us um If you want, I mean, if we had a, if we literally, you know, streamed a live stream of this, you know, filming it, it would show us, like, you know, picking our nose and, you know, uh, playing on our phones or something. But I hope that that you kind of are starting to see how we're why we get so nostalgic, why we talk about stuff from the 90s and early 2000s and early 90s for you, Glenn. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of work towards uh, some, you know, just some... Basically explains why we are the way we are. Um, and friends, I'll tell you this, your pastor is almost exactly like us. Probably not the same background, same stories, but they've got their own stories. Ask them and talk to them about what theirs are. Because I've got a feeling you might be a little bit surprised about what you might find out. Glenn, any final thoughts?
1: Yeah. um, Be patient with each other. Um, We've all just been so on edge and um, we've lost... This notion of kindness and unity, um, it, makes, it, it makes me sad to think that uh, the founding of this country, you know, men stood up in Congress and said, I didn't agree with a word you said, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. Absolutely. And now we hear pundits on TV talk about things like, well, you have the freedom to say what you want, but you have to deal with the consequences. Patrick Henry would have kicked that dude right in the nuts. Uh, Yeah, I mean. Uh, All right. Um, It makes me sad to think that, you know, our world is just so full of hatred and and division. Um, Be kind to each other, folks. Um, Not really much else to say, That you want to see the world change for the better, be part of the change. Be nice. Absolutely. Sounds so simple, but it would go so far. So, uh, good night, Lindy and Kessid. West Coast time is approximately 6.30. Good morning, Vladivostok, where the current time is time for Vladimir Putin to kiss rocks. Exactly. Good night, everybody.
0: night, folks. Thanks for listening to us. We'll see you next week.